So when your family comes around and they all want to squish and hold your toddler, but your toddler's maybe not into it, what are you going to do about it? So you and your partner are no longer together. How can you be the best dad possible when you're not seeing the kid every day? All that and more on Dad Pod. This is Dad Pod, a podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. I'm Osher Ginsberg. He's Charlie Clawson. Yeah, we're just two dads trying to make sense of what it means to be a modern dad. Our youngest kids are a month apart in age. Charlie has one daughter. I have two kids, and the, the youngest is a is a toddler. And Charlie, mate, I don't know about you, buddy, but there is not a lot of sleep going on at our place right now. How's Iona doing this week? Uh, look, it's fair to say that she is. Um Playing me like a fiddle. Yeah. And uh, we, we see uh, – this is what I, you find uh, when you have a, a young child is like you think you got it nutted out and then two weeks later it changes again. So her bedtime routine, we had a pretty set, you know, bath, snack, book, brush teeth, go to sleep. But now the go to sleep part takes around between anywhere between an hour to two hours. Ooh. And she has got me figured out. Like the manipulations are through the roof. So, you know, if she's not asking for like a sip of water, she's telling me that her tummy's hurting. She's telling me she needs to use her potty. Two nights ago, this was her best one yet. She said, I want my teddy. And I was like, okay, great. You can go get a teddy from your, your toy box. So she went and she got one teddy. Then she's like, nah, I want the other teddy. And I was like, all right, get the other teddy. She has around like between 12 to 15 like different stuffed animals. By the end of it, she had all 12 animals on the bed. And then she was like, well, now I have to arrange them because they've got to be in, like the feng shui. I can't go to sleep. Unle- no, unless platypus <laughs> yeah. is no, platypus yeah. is now more favourite than she was yesterday. So platypus has to be closer to me. Mate, like as an actor, like her improv skills are second to none. The way she was able to think on her feet to just delay, delay that moment. And then she was like, okay, well, now I need to hug these three animals, but you have to hug those two and I want you to sit right here. And I was just, by the end of it, I'm like, this is insane. And and the thing about it now is do I start bedtime an hour and a half earlier than when we normally do it so she gets to sleep at the time she needs to get to? Like even yesterday to put her down for her nap, you were texting me and I was texting you back to say, hey, man, like I'll get around to it. Just I, I'm still in the in the grips of putting her down. And you said, Charlie sent me this photo. He was legitimately James Franco in 127 <laughs> hours. Like his his phone is over here and he's pinned. So like this Charlie next to Iona. Like I am like lean muscle mass Charlie Clawson <laughs> is pinned by a 15 kilo girl. Like I'm stuck, can't move. I'm texting so gently. She does this thing, Osh, where like so I'll sit next to her and I try and kind of not I'm trying to sort of create some separation with the comfort so she's not too reliant on it. So I'll try and just like sit there, neutral, not like cuddle her or anything like that until she, to be a presence as opposed to like a comfort. But it's got to the point now where, like a mafia boss, if I turn away from her, she grabs my face with both hands and swings oh. it back. So I've got to look at her. I have to be looking at her until she falls asleep. So that's what my week has been like. What's been going on with you? Oh, mate. Well, firstly, I totally relate to that. And I've, I am so impressed. And I was so impressed with how young the ability to recognize emotional manipulation as a way of getting what you want starts. (laughs) You may not have the language skills, but you realize, oh, you don't want me to be sad. Uh Aha. So if I pretend to be sad, 
you will do anything to make that not happen. And that means I don't have to do what you want now. Yeah. Let's go. And I'm 100% with you. Yeah, I know what that's like. So, and you really what start. What are some of Wolfie's tactics? Oh, mate. He, he generally starts with the, and it's very similar stuff, but they, they start with the, the things that they know get a lot of action. Oh, he starts with the things that he knows gets a lot of action. I need the potty. I need to wee. I need to poo <laughs> right now. I need to, and, but then it becomes anything. Then it becomes like, no, I want the fruit bat book, which is the bluey book about the fruit bat. I want the fruit bat book. And you got the fruit bat book. I don't want the fruit bat book. Okay. We don't <laughs> want the fruit bat book. No, give me the fruit bat. And, the, I, and we're there for like. <laughs> it's who's on first. It really it's is. Like- and honestly, we're, we're speaking to Justin Colson today, who's a, a super parenting expert. So maybe he can he can help us through this game theory, this toddler game theory. At the moment, I'm really interested in attachment styles as far as um, mm. how people relate to each other, the secure attachment, non-secure attachment, anxious avoidant attachments. And I'm like, all this shit gets built before you're five. I don't want to fuck this yeah. up. You know, I, yeah. I'm going to have to leave the room because I need to pee or, or do something. And, and it's also that thing too, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, I've also been reading stuff about like, you know, exercising sort of compassion and empathy as opposed to creating sort of like society has informed us that, you know, our child needs to behave according to its standards rather than us sort of changing our parenting to accommodate what the child needs. And one of those things is like, well, what's the balance between boundaries and compassion? Because, Sometimes I wonder, am I being a hard ass by just like denying her when she's asking for that third bluey book or when she needs to get her fifth stuffed toy for me saying, no, just lie, lie down, yeah. <laughs> close your eyes. Like, I don't know if I'm doing the wrong thing. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to talk to Justin about all of that stuff. This week it was, essentially, we're in the, the splendor in the grass of George's <laughs> birthday. We're in right. the, uh, she's 18 now, yep. gone other we're going to have a couple of cases in the backyard, you know, put on the latest CD that we all love and play it on repeat, and that's your 18th. No, we are talking like a 10-day special event. I'm astonished that there is no ticketing website already. There's multiple events, multiple stages. It's full on. So there was a kickoff, like almost like the, if it's Mardi Gras, it's fair day. It's the thing that happens in the week before Mardi Gras. So there was the yeah. big family barbecue. Now, Audrey's family is from uh, Fiji, and as anybody knows, there's a large Pacific Island diaspora in, in Australia. And so Audrey's Fijian extended family, like we're both immigrants, but Audrey's family, there's a ton of them, okay? So I, I remember when I was a little kid, big family functions, big family functions were maybe eight, nine people, yeah. maybe? Yeah. We have a minimum count of... I think 26 is the right. minimum. We're not going to offend anyone if we make sure all these 26 people are here. But thanks to COVID and, and a few other things, we managed to get away with, I think, 22 the other day. But still, 22 people are coming around. So in the days leading up, we were saying to Wolf, okay, so tomorrow, you know, in a couple of days, everyone's coming around, auntie this and uncle that and your cousins, blah, 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 blah. They're all going to be here. So you're going to have a nap. And when you wake up, everyone's going to be here. And he saw us getting the backyard ready and fixing the trampoline and, and building all the tables out. So he knew something was coming. He knew something was up. And I said to him before he went to bed, I said, okay, mate, so when you wake up, there's going to be a lot of people here. Okay. And if you don't want to cuddle them, if you don't want to kiss and cuddle them, that's totally fine. All right. You, yep. you just say, no, thanks. I'd like some space, which he says, actually, he says pretty well. He says, um, <laughs> does he say it? Yes. Words? He says, can you please oh, give amazing. me some space? 
which is great. There's a great Bluey episode about Space Invaders, which has been really helpful because it's given him the language to describe it, which I, I'm so grateful for. But he says, look, uh, you just say, you, just, you know, you can say those words, give me some space. And he was fine. So when he woke up, he, he came downstairs and there was the big, oh, there was the big Lion King on the Rock moment because everyone was like, hey, Wolfie's here. And all there of a sudden he is, 20, the chosen one. 22 grown-ups staring. He's no longer the youngest, by the way. Uh, there's a younger one oh. now. But so 22 people are staring at him. And he's like, oh, I've been awake for six minutes. Fuck. And then he put his arms out to me and he came and sat on my lap. And he was fine, Charlie, but it was more mm. about managing the adults' expectations Right, because they're wanting cuddles. He's just woken up. He's probably going to, he will come to you. He might need a little bit of time. Oh, why don't you come over and say hello to him? Like, everyone was pretty cool about it, but it was an occasional yeah. moment of like, I talked to you about this before he woke up and now he's here. Yeah. Like, I get it. He's cute. He's lovely. But I remember, do you remember as a little kid just getting hounded by like kind of strange yeah. people you saw once a year that smelt funny and, and, and slobbered on you? Uh, yeah, and, it, and it's overwhelming, but it's also like something that as an adult, like I kind of understand when, you know, my friends started having kids and I would see them like more often than not, the most common reaction when a kid sees me is they always retreat back to mum or dad. I think it's maybe it's my, you know, I often have a beard, you know, I've got the kind of deeper voice. I look like a werewolf when I come towards yeah, yeah. them. So I'm actually surprised at the extent of family. So are you saying that they were a bit put out by um, his reticence? No, I think it was more that. Everyone was really cool about it, but it did feel yeah. a bit odd saying, okay, I know you haven't seen him in a year or a half because of COVID and you're going to have to wait for your cuddle. It did feel a bit weird putting that boundary on there, but I'd love to talk to Justin later about how to manage that because I hope I didn't put anybody's nose out of joint because I might have been a bit, hey, 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 oh, oh, yeah, I told you. I told yeah. you already. You went Wolf's mother, you're Wolf's father. <laughs> I have a theme song, mate. Amon Amath's Father of the Wolf is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's so, so good. I can't wait to hear what Dr. Justin Colson has to say about those things, Charlie. We actually have a really amazing email to get to right after this. Uh, we'll ask him about that later. Askdadpod at gmail.com. Let's go read it. You can always send us your questions or tell us your stories. Uh, we're all here in this together. Askdadpod at gmail.com. Charlie, Rory sent us this email. Six months ago, I became a dad for the very first time to a little girl at 40. The baby's mum and I are not actually together and haven't been since the early months of pregnancy. Not an uncommon story. Has it happened to mates of yours? Yeah, yeah, I know lots of people in this situation. Yeah. We were together for about six months, but however, we realized quickly we we're very different people, both from Melbourne for the majority of the pregnancy was during lockdown. Very difficult for her and I to have uh, any contact um, mm. throughout. Six months since the birth, up until recently, her mum's been fantastic in opening up the house, giving me a lot of time to access on the weekends to spend time with my daughter. However, recently, the relationship between me and her mum has declined. Her mum feels I'm not up to scratch. I'm playing with her, holding her the right way, not recognizing when she's bored, not changing it up enough, her feeding patterns, dressing her, basically looking after her. Every time I go there, my anxiety is through the roof for fear of being told off that I can't do it right. We got to a stage where my daughter actually stopped crying when she came to me, now laughs and giggles, and all the rest, which you boys know, just melts your heart like nothing else. Mm. Uh, I have suffered anxiety most of my life and I'm treating it very well with loads of exercise, eating right and seeing my psychologist on a regular basis, but I don't know when I'm going to get to see my daughter as her mum's requested a bit of time out. Oh, that's fair enough. You know, if it's getting tense between the two of them, it's going to affect the kid and they've 
both made the call that that's probably the right thing. Her mum's an amazing mother and remarkable in doing it alone. All my friends who have kids are in relationships. They can't offer advice in the situation I'm in. Can you recommend any books, podcasts, or general advice of people to talk to that could maybe give me a leg up in this kind of scenario? Oh, Rory, mate, I really feel for you. Could you imagine not being able to see your little one? Could you imagine not being able to see Iona and maybe only see her for a couple of hours at a time on the weekends? Well, it's hard enough to know if you're doing a good job when you have constant access to your child. I can't imagine when you're working on limited hours, when it's like a, a part-time job, that how you could even measure it from one day to the next, especially if there's like, you know, if there's five or six days in between you seeing the kid. And sometimes it feels like your child changes overnight. So imagine what it would be like if you had a whole week go by and, you know, their speech has changed or their interests have changed. You know, suddenly they're not into the wiggles anymore. They're onto Bluey. Like all that stuff happens really, really quick. So it would be really, really tough for Rory. And I totally understand why mum is feeling that way. I mean, goodness, Audrey had already been through these early years with Georgia and me with zero parenting experience of a, of a toddler. You know, Audrey, understandably, we were going, that's not how you do it. You do it this way. I'm like, I've never done this before. I don't know what the right thing to do is. And that happened in, in their house when we're together yeah. and both yeah, into yeah. the idea of both of us doing our equal part. So I can't imagine what it's like for Rory. It's, mate, I, I, this, is kind, this is above my pay grade, I think. We're, gonna, we're really going to have to talk to Justin about this, I think, because yeah. all I can think is, you know, I think about my own dad when he, he moved out when I was 11 yeah, and then all the teenage stuff, he kind of had to do a couple of hours at a time. Mm. It was hard for him because he didn't see, as you're mentioning, through the week, he didn't, you know, he wasn't able to have the kind of micro guidance or access to, you know, our reactions to things. So when we'd see him on like every other weekend or something, yeah, like, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not the kid that was here two weeks ago. If there's one thing I could identify with this, it's the anxiety. I mean, I also suffer from, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, which is uh, the official <laughs> name for it. And prior to Iona being born and even through the first few months, I was seeing someone about it. So, you know, you're not on your own there. Like it's an incredibly confronting situation when you become a parent for the first time. The one thing I would maybe suggest is it sounds like the mother is also experiencing a level of anxiety, which is probably why she's being on your back about how you're holding the baby, yeah. how you're feeding the baby. I mean, if you can approach it from the idea that you're, you're both coming from the same place, which is you want the best for the kid, then that may be a helpful jumping off point. But I'm sure Justin will have something to say about that. And it's totally, if she's doing it by herself, my God. I like the first six months of Wolf's life, I was fucked. And the two, we were doing it together, you know? And that was with yeah. lockdowns. That was like, we were, nobody was working. We had nothing but yeah. time. And I was stuffed. Can you imagine doing it alone? Oh my God. Of course, it makes so much sense. Dr. Justin Colson's on the show today, Rory. So uh, I tell you what, let's get him on the call and we'll see if we can't help you out here. Charlie, if there's one thing we've learned from doing this show for a couple of years now is that we know nothing, Johnson. So we've got a bunch of people who are helping us out on DadPod. Dr. Justin Colson is the founder of happyfamilies.com.au. He is the host of the enormously successful Happy Families podcast. He's written six books. He's got six children. He has so much knowledge and lots of letters after his name. Justin, thanks for being on the show, man. It's really great to be with you. We were talking about lots of family members came around here the other day and managing expectations of after his nap, basically, he woke up 
and everyone's like, oh, come here. Just managing their expectations of like, he might not want to come and get smothered by someone he hasn't seen for two years because of COVID. Can you give him some space? And I think I was the one getting in trouble because I was being like a little too, hey, 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 back up. Hey, hold on. I was being a little too much like a bouncer. What are some better ways that I might be able to manage the grown-ups' expectations about not smothering the toddler in those situations? Let me start with some research. Research shows that when we become overprotective, we raise the anxiety of everyone around us, particularly our kids. And interestingly, we also raise our own anxiety. So it's not the best way to dive in. Because, and, and the other thing to remember here is that emotions are contagious, right? So when you're feeling a certain emotion, people catch that emotion from you. If not exactly the same emotion, they catch this same emotional energy. It's like a, a current that goes from one person to the next to the next. Sometimes you just need to step back a little bit. It's hard to live with people who are like that all the time. Um, so, so number one, remember that emotions are contagious and have that self-awareness, which you do. I mean, you, you've highlighted that you had that awareness. But if you take that breath and sort of step back and think, what am I really trying to achieve here? I want everyone to, to give this kiddo a little bit of space but let's have a look at the child's comfort level. Let's not get in the way, in the way of them making decisions for themselves. Uh, if the child's happy, if the child's got a big smile, if the child's got good energy, then we probably don't need to intervene at all. It's, it's our stuff getting in the way, which can actually make their stuff come up even if they don't have any. Another simple case in point when we're talking about little kids is you're at the park and you see them, you, you know when, like, I know that there's a ladder to go up the slide. Everyone knows except for the toddler. The toddler actually thinks that you're supposed to climb up the bit that you slide down. And that creates a whole lot of anxiety for parents who are in the park watching their kid because they know that that big kid, the five-year-old, is about to come down and knock the two-year-old off the slide and they're, oh, you know, the, the anxiety is up there. And so we run over there and we start getting all protective. The kids will actually figure it out. Like they don't, yeah. they don't need us to get involved there. They will figure it out. And the worst thing that will happen is that maybe they do get knocked over by a bigger kid and our job then is to give them a hug and say, oh, that must have hurt. Let's make sure you're okay. All right, what do you want to do now? And, and then get out of their way again. Now, obviously, there are some things that really do matter. You're not going to let them run across the road and figure that out for themselves. You're not going to uh, let them go down to the corner store that's a kilometre away and, and figure out what kidnappers are by themselves. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the more benign stuff like the celebrations. Let the kids figure it out. If the child starts to get a little bit distressed, a little bit uptight, if the energy is too much, you'll see the signals in your toddler's face and hopefully the other adults that are around you will see that as well. Like we can usually figure this stuff out without without needing too much intervention. They probably Just, all did. And the whole anxiety that I'm talking to you guys about today was probably all me. Let's be really honest about <laughs> this. I was probably distressed because there's, you know, there's all these people over the house and it's been three days of reorganization and, you know, runs to Costco to get the biggest bag of corn chips you've ever seen and all this kind of stuff. Like it's probably coming from me. Yeah. Damn it. Again. Just. Justin, I have a question. So my default when it comes to those situations where my daughter Iona is either, you know, behaving in a way that I feel like is, you know, creating some kind of conflict or I can see a conflict happening is I try and talk to her. Now, stuff I've read is like your child is not ready to like understand concepts like logic and all these kind of stuff. So am I just confusing her or making matters worse by trying to explain what is going on in a situation? Should I just be defaulting more to the compassionate feelings aspect rather than the logical explanation of what's going on? So the answer here is yes and no. It makes perfect sense to you that you're doing what you're doing to try and talk her down or move things along. 
but but as you know, from a developmental point of view, kids don't get anyone's perspective but their own. Like egocentrism central. It's all about them. And, and I think there's another another challenge to bear in mind here, and that is that if emotions are a little bit high, and they're not always, but it sounds like in, in both of the cases that we're talking about here, emotions could be a bit high. High emotions means low intelligence. At any age, they could be a toddler, they could be a teen, hell, they could be 42 years old. If you've got a person that you're interacting with and they're getting pretty emotional, what you see is their intelligence just drops. Now, now technically, they've still got the same amount of intelligence in their head as they had 10 minutes ago, but they don't have the same level of access to it. It's kind of like everyone knows the prefrontal cortex. That's the bit behind your forehead, above your eyes. That's where you do all your thinking, your planning, your strategizing. And when you get really emotional, Part of the brain on the interior, we call it the limbic system. This part of the brain is where all the emotions just, it's explosive stuff. You've probably heard of the amygdala. That's that little almond-shaped part of the brain. That's where your fear and your anger and that sort of stuff is. And the amygdala is just staggeringly powerful. So when you've got a child who's having a bit of an emotion, they're having a conflict with a sibling or they, they want something and you've said no and the emotions get really big, the amygdala pretty much overrides the rest of the brain. Amygdala explosiveness intelligence drops at that point because the blood's just not going to that part of the brain. I mean, while we're talking about little kids, there's probably a couple of other things that are really important to share. Their ability to access their words. You know, like when the kids are really upset about something and and those three words that parents always say to them, use your words, tell me what's going on. They can't do it because, again, there's no blood going to this left temporal lobe above their left ear. That's where all their speech and language is. So when we say use your word, what happens is the emotions get even bigger inside them and more blood flows away from rather than to that area. And so they can't use their words. They can't regulate their emotions. They can't regulate their behaviours. And then they, they lose the plot. And then as parents, we're like, how many times have I told you? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. If you do that one more time, so help me, here's what I'm going to do. And the kid's kind of going, I'm a complete failure at life. I don't know anything that's going on. I've got my L plates on and this is too hard. It's funny because you, you say it, it, they're, they're egocentric, but what you're describing there to me is more about my ego Boom. because I think that is the frustration that arrives is like she's having a meltdown. I don't understand why. As, as I can see it, it's perfectly logical. You've got your bluey cup is right there. It's just as good as your square zebra cup. I don't understand what the difference is. And I'm trying to explain this to you that they're the same cup. Yeah. But what I'm really doing is I'm getting frustrated that I can't fix this situation. Charlie, I love that. So something that I say to parents all the time is we, we say to the kids, we'll say, what do you think? The world revolves around you? And what we're really saying is, well, it doesn't. It revolves around me. And right now you're throwing me off my groove. Like I know what I want here. And like, children are just this massive impediment in our otherwise very well-ordered lives. <laughs> and, and, and we often get our kids in trouble, not for doing the wrong thing, but for being inconvenient. So the answer to your question, Charlie is when you understand these principles of peoplehood, uh, but particularly raising little kids, this inability to regulate emotion, behaviour, incapacity for speech, and a complete inability when it comes to reading your mind and understanding what you want, when they want the blue plate, not the pink plate, the correct answer is, oh, kiddo, you really, really are upset about this, aren't you? And there's this extraordinary thing that happens when you're feeling an emotion and somebody gives you a word for it, you kind of just go, yeah, you get me. And, and it, it takes all the emotion out. And remember, high emotion is low intelligence. Once you take the emotion out, intelligence comes back as emotions go down. And then you can get logical with the kids. Or better yet, you can say, well, what do you think we should do about this? I'm here to help. All these things that you're talking about, Justin, they are 
they only get better with practice. And as dads, we have to remember that there's no operating manual. And we may have had kids before, but every single child is different and every set of parents is different. The set of parents that brought up my elder brother are not the same set of parents that I got, not my younger brother got, and my youngest brother. They all got different sets of parents because of what they knew and where they were in life. Yeah. But the benefit that we three people have is that we have lots of contact hours. We have the ability to go, oh, I fucked this up today. I'm going to give it another shot tomorrow. I'm going to try that, you know, emotional recognition tomorrow and, and we'll see how we go. We got a an email this week from uh, Rory, who's in a situation that is, is probably not very uncommon. He's uh, 40. He was in a very brief relationship with someone and they got pregnant quite early and they haven't been together since the earliest actually months of the, the pregnancy. Wasn't able to see her through COVID. The first six months of the little girl's life was around there quite a bit. But now it's starting to be, you know, when he does have the time to get around there because he works full time, when he does get around there on the weekends, uh, bear in mind, they're just co-parenting. They're not romantically involved. When he does get around there on the weekends and he's just trying to trying to parent the six-month-old with probably around 106 hours of parenting experience in total, he's finding that he's frustrating the young girl's mother who's with her all the time. And it's like, oh, no, that's not how you hold it. That's not how you feed her. That's not what she needs. That's, you're doing it wrong. You're holding it wrong. You're not doing it. And he, he, he feels like under a lot of pressure and it's causing a lot of issues between him and his daughter's mother to the point where mum's gone, I just need some time out, which is, you know, fair enough. I understand that because they both recognise that their emotions are changing the child's emotions. He's not an isolated case, I'm sure. There's plenty and, of men. And also, Osh, isn't it also the case that Iona's uh, mum and dad are in the same house and even then yeah. we'll look yeah. at each other and say, you're doing it wrong, you're feeding yeah. it wrong, you're oh, mate. it wrong. Like, it doesn't matter whether or not you're together or not. Like, that's yeah. just how co-parenting goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's not alone here, Justin. So what advice can you give a man who's trying to be, he's trying to be the, the good dad, but without the contact hours, without the learning curve, without the time and the space to kind of get it wrong and then get up and try it again the next day. What can he do? Where can he go? Where can he look? What's some resources for him? Uh, there's, there's so many things to talk about in this particular scenario. And you're right, it's common. Whether whether the baby's six months old or whether you're dealing with 16 year old or marriages and relationships fall apart all the time. And, and these, are the, these are the very real challenges that all kinds of parents face. So I think there's a couple of things to highlight. First off, kids need both parents. Unless one of the parents is legitimately unsafe, unless there's a genuinely good reason to say, no, 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 you don't have contact because there's, there's genuine trust issues here. Kids really do need both parents to be positively and wholesomely involved in their lives. And again, I, I really want to under, underline those two words, positively and wholesomely involved, because sometimes there are bad actors. Sometimes there are parents out there who have got agendas. They're trying to make life awkward for somebody. We, we need to have good intent around this. So based on what you're describing, it sounds like there's good intent from both parents. But the next thing to consider is that you've got this partner expectation where mum's full-time with the child. Across six months, we're talking about 100-odd hours of time with the child. That's, that's nothing. It's really hard to build a relationship. Relationships are built on time, time in the relationship. So how do you make a connection? How do you, how do you create that bond when you're not getting time together? It's, it's really, really tough. And there's this really interesting concept that I talk about usually in different circumstances, but I want to I share it and then flip it into this circumstance. It's called weaponized incompetence. And, and I'm sure that both of you have been guilty of this. I know I have. Weaponized incompetence is basically, uh, you know what, honey, I don't know how to put the nappy on. Every time I do, it falls off. You're just going to have to change the nappies from now on. 
You know, you know that, or uh, you're, you're good at putting the baby to bed. Whenever I do it, she wakes up 10 minutes later. I just don't seem to be able to do it. You're going to have to look after the baby stuff and I'll I'll go mow the lawn while you're doing it. It's, it's that kind of, I know it's stereotypical. I know I'm sounding pathetic when I say that, but weaponized incompetence is that thing where I'm going to pretend that I'm lousy at this so that I don't have to do stuff that I don't like. And I can, it's actually a really passive aggressive way of dumping your preferences onto somebody that you don't respect enough to be honest with them about it. Justin, weaponized incompetence is the uh, slogan for my entire career, not just parenting. (laughs) I fall upwards. (laughs) Well, in spite of that, there's also a reverse of that. And and I share that because I reckon a lot of dads are going to relate to it and be laughing and going, oh, yeah, that was me last night. But the reverse is also quite often true, quite often. And and again, I'm sticking with the stereotypical male-female heterosexual partner relationship because this is where we see it the most. The reverse is when mum says, no, 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 I'll look after this because you're no good at it. And I think this is something that a mum in this situation needs to be really careful of. If dad's not getting much time with the child, dad is going to be less competent. Dad's going to have less of a relationship. He's going to make more stumbles. It's going to be ugly. And mum's going to have anxiety. Dad's going to have anxiety. And the child's going to have it. Anxiety might be too strong a word, but certainly fears and worries and apprehension hmm. around this, some concerns. And emotions are contagious. They, they feed off each other. He's going to get the vibe from her that every time he picks up this six-month-old, no, you're not doing it right. You need to hold a neck or you need to, no, 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 you, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And it just continues to build. I think that the best thing that mum can do is just give them space. Let dad figure it out. And so long as he's gentle, so long as he's kind, so long as he's doing all, all, all of the good stuff, if he makes some mistakes, that's life. That's what we all do. I mean, the, the number of mistakes that the three of us have probably made is we've held a child wrong or ac- accidentally fed them the wrong food at the wrong time or whatever. We we all do this. Um, I've done both those things this morning. Right. <laughs> okay. Case in point. So what can Rory do? He, he wants to be a great father. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to be hands-on with little practice, with a few contact hours. Are there places he can look? Are there resources he can look to? Let's be honest, we started this podcast because so much of the parenting stuff out there is aimed at the mother, very little at the father. Right. So how can we keep Rory trying to do the best that he can? Where can he look to? So glad you said it because there, there's a lot of groups out there who claim to be helpful and they actually end up undermining relationships. There, there's a lot of toxicity out there. First of all, I don't know of any great resources on this. A couple of years ago, I did some work with Beyond Blue and we put together a program called Dad Vice. So it was advice for dads, dad advice. Yeah. Uh, there's some pretty cool resources there, some great videos. Dad's just talking about the challenges of raising kids, especially in those early years. And it works whether you're in a partner or a co-parenting scenario. So that, that would be my number one point. A couple of other tips though. First off, talk to your ex-partner regularly and treat your ex-partner like a business partner or a client. A lot of people with their exes, even if there's generally good feeling, every now and again, they get a little bit ticked off and they send that text message at 11.30 at night or 2.30 in the morning saying, who do you think you are? And then they just dive in and and, and unload both barrels. Not helpful. You want to navigate this relationship carefully because there's vested interests ongoingly. And if you can remember that, you're just going to do better. Second thing, always assume best intentions. The co-parent or your ex or whoever it is, they're going to have the best intentions for the child. And sometimes they're going to see you as not, not helpful there. They're going to see you as the, the impediment of the child's well-being. So assume that they've got the best intentions for the child. And then I guess the third part, 
see if you can actually come alongside them rather than being face-to-face with them adversarially. The best way to do it is, I know you're really worried about this. Like, name their emotion. I know you're concerned that every time I see the baby lately, every time I see our kids lately, there's a bit of a blow-up. There's conflict, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's that sort of stuff. I just want you to know that I love them as much as you do and I want to work with you on how we can figure this out. And if you can come alongside and look at the problem in front of both of you rather than seeing each other as the problem, that's where you start to really score some goals. It's just hard to do it because there's so much emotion. Well, Justin, I think you talked about empathy before. And so in in Rory's letter to us, he talked about how his anxiety, he was worried that, you know, maybe that was getting in the way. But clearly, if you sort of put yourself in the mother's shoes, she has anxiety as well, obviously, about being a new mother and, you know, feeding the baby, holding the baby, putting the baby to sleep. So I think there is common ground there. You know, they're both feeling anxious about being parents. And so like once you have that common ground as a starting point, then hopefully they can move forward together. Yeah. Charlie, this is such an important thing that we often fail to do. And that is to take the perspective of the other person. Like you imagine being a young mum. You didn't expect to be having a child. If you did have a child, it wasn't going to be under these circumstances. And all of a sudden, you're doing it on your own. The guy's not who you thought or things didn't work out how you wanted them to work out. And now all of the plans that you had for your future, they've changed because you're lugging around the six-month-old and dad steps in for six hours a week or half a Saturday here and a Friday night over there. I mean, and, and I'm not suggesting that that's the case here, but it's pretty easy to step out of that and take that perspective. So we blame bad outcomes with other people on their character, but we blame bad outcomes from our perspective on our circumstances. And what a, what a massive mistake to make. I can totally understand how it happens though. And it's tricky to get in there, mate. It's that's the hard part. The hard part is getting in there before you have that instant reaction. But this is where meditation and breathing can come in to give it that little <laughs> yeah. space. But we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Justin, it's always great to speak with you. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Happyfamilies.com.au is where you can get all of Justin's books, listen to his podcast. I'm sure I, I wish happy birthday because it's probably one of your kids' happy birthdays this week. <laughs> They're always uh, having a mate there. Like, always I can't keep birthday. up. Six on Every far out. What was I thinking? Talk to you next time, man. Look forward to it. You know, Charlie, I think I've learned something today about being a dad it's that when uh, relatives want to come and squeeze and hug and, and get in wolfie's space i should let him decide whether he wants to do it or not rather than me be the uh, gorilla bouncer at the front door <laughs> because i didn't realize that my agitation was affecting not only him but also his lovely auntie who hasn't seen him for too long so yeah that that was a that was a good lesson <laughs> Well, you know, what I've learned is that those uh, three words, use your words, is not very helpful to a child who is basically just a ball of emotion and can't articulate what they're feeling. So me trying to approach it like Dr. Spock, you know, and tell me with just cold, hard logic what you're feeling is not helping the situation. I just need to work on maybe getting that empathy going a bit more and understanding where the kid's coming from. And speaking of empathy, it was really good to hear from Dr. Justin Colson about our listener, Rory, who's struggling to be the best dad he can with limited contact hours, just to try to have as much empathy, not only for himself, but for his daughter and for the mother of his daughter. They're not together anymore. And just understand that they're all in this highly stressed situation. And if they can focus on that, the, the well-being of the kid is the number one priority, that their path to action should be a little clearer. Oh, it's a good show today. I feel good about it. Yeah, learned a lot. I did learn a lot. If you want to get in touch with us, if you have a question, askdadpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. 
dad pod gram. Tell your friends, tell your other mates, tell other dads about the show. Rate, what is it? Like, rate, and subscribe or something. Yeah. Subscribe, rate, Do that and, thing. and like, like, subscribe, and click, and finger Whatever. thumbs up. Just and share what, it. All, the, all that stuff. Tell, sh- share yeah, share yeah, this with your significant know. other and go, oh, the boys were talking about that. We've got it. You know, here you go. And send it to the mother or the father of your child and just say, just listen to this. The boys were talking about it. And hopefully it'll help us out. <laughs> Until we speak next time. Don't touch that.